0: Hello, you're listening to season two of Everyday Creative People. I'm your host, Dina Adriance, and this podcast is all about the question, what does it mean to live a life driven by curiosity, creativity, and love over fear? Each week, you can tune in to hear me discussing various topics related to this question with leaders, artists, and entrepreneurs who are each living out this pursuit in their own unique ways. When you've finished listening to today's show, please take a moment to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast. Leave a comment and tell a friend. You can find all the show notes over at dinaadriance.com/slash ECP podcast. Now settle in, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I am here today with Stephanie Simpson. Stephanie is an artist, educator, consultant, and coach. She and I met a year ago in New York at the Hustle Fest event, uh, which was a super fun way to just connect with people who are building their side hustles and sort of figuring out next steps in life. And Stephanie draws on her background in movement, meditation, and psychology, to guide people to achieve their greatest pit- potential by nurturing the connection between the mind, body, and spirit. So I'm super excited to talk to her about all of those different sort of holistic bits and pieces. She has a focus on helping people to find their true balance and align with their authentic selves. And she has, let's see, Stephanie has like a million qualifications. She's, she's an RYT 200 hours certified yoga instructor. She holds a BA in interdisciplinary studies from Emerson College and an MFA in dance performance and choreography from Smith College. She's also currently an MA degree candidate at Columbia University Teachers College in the clinical psychology program where she is emphasizing uh, spirituality, mind, and body, and has a focus on organizational change. Um, so, she's been presenting and consulting for businesses nationwide and doing coaching work and just generally using her expertise and passion to help people thrive and realize their fullest potential. So, I'm super excited to chat with her about a whole bunch of different things. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Stephanie, Um, I'm just going to actually dive right in because you just told me before we started that April is, what is it, Stress Awareness Month? Yes, Stress Awareness Month. So how does that tie in with the work that you do? Uh, Great question. So the last
1: two years I've been in this program at Teachers College, Columbia University, and I was doing a really big deep dive into stress management and actually burnout at one point, but focused more on stress and how does that play a role in our life, both in and out of the workplace. And it was really interesting because I went in thinking like, okay, we need to, how do we get rid of stress? Like, how do I get rid of that in my life? And as I continued the process, I started realizing through research and my own practices that stress is actually needed and we need a certain element of stress in order for us to perform optimally, whether that's in the workplace or out of the workplace. It's just how we respond to stress and how we build a relationship with it. Um, and so my culminating uh, research, I put together a stress management coaching program which includes this stress management workbook, which is a 21 day guide to redefining your relationship with stress. It's a way for people to take these 21 different practices and they really are different practices every day, a new one. And they range from a minute to 10 minutes. And I really wanted them to be things that you could do anywhere so they can be done at your workplace. They can be done at home. Um, and each of them goes into a different category. And one of the categories is creativity, which um, I think is a very important category in us learning how to manage and navigate our stress so that it can work for us and with us and not
0: against us. That is so fascinating. So I want to actually back up for a minute. So you were saying that part of your research has shown that it's less about like the stress, what's less important. (laughs) Let me make sure I'm, I'm remembering this correctly. Okay, so I think you said it's less important how much stress we have so much as how we're responding to it.
1: Yes, yes, that we actually do need a certain amount of stress in our right. life in way for our brain to actually develop and keep developing. There needs to be this stress in our life, but it's how we respond to it. If we respond to it in like a positive way and look at it as like, oh, okay, this is a challenge that I can overcome, we actually, the neuroplasticity, we create new pathways in our brain. Mm. Whereas if we look at it and we're like, oh, this is overwhelming, I can't do this, and we look at it in more of a negative way, that's when like the anxiety gets a little high and stress becomes a negative thing that can be overwhelming and actually lead to like illnesses and and disease. Mm. Um, But we have that choice. Uh, And a lot of times the things that we think are stressful, we're actually confusing with just being fearful of something or worrying about something or being anxious about something. They're all actually different things. Um, and we just kind of like throw the word stress around all the time. Uh, and I noticed that for myself and I noticed it for clients I was working with and people that I work with, like just friends and everything like that. And I was like, why are we always so stressed out and everything? And then it was like, Oh, maybe we're not being intentional with what we're saying and also looking at how we're playing with stress. Like, and I actually do say play with it because, um, and which is, the element like one of the foundational elements of creativity as well is like how can i look at this stress in a different way how can i see it differently um in mm-hmm. order for me to be able to work with it and overcome it right and so um i was actually just doing work on something before this this interview on creativity and how uh, being, doing mindfulness practices and play and all of that is really important in in accessing our creative side. And once we access that creative side, we can be more innovative thinkers and creative problem solvers and collaborate better with people and all of that stuff that is necessary in the world.
0: Huh. So, I mean, is there like a, okay, so stress is necessary, but how we sort of deal with it and respond to it is is a critical factor in how it impacts us. Is there like a like a like a critical sort of balance point of st- like I can't imagine that an infinite amount of stress is a good thing.
1: No, definitely not. And we all have our own threshold of the amount of stress that we can deal with. Uh, and so that's where it's like a very personal thing. Okay. And one of the reasons I created the stress, the, the guidebook was I found that, you know, we kind of have these ideas of like, Oh, if you just meditate every day, you'll be, you'll feel better, you know, or if you just practice yoga every day, you'll get better. And not that you're not going to get better from that, but I even found as a yoga teacher and as a meditation practitioner and facilitator that I was getting stressed out that if I didn't do those every day. I was like failing or I was like mm. wrong, you know. And at the end of the day, it's not about being like the best at any of those things and being like, yes, I did this every day. Cause if the intention behind it is, is just that you need to do it every day, then you're not actually, it, it's not being purposeful. Right. So this guidebook, the intention behind it was to create, I created seven different um, categories that I thought were really important from a holistic mind, body, spirit perspective. And, And, um, and also important in understanding ourselves more deeply. And then each category has three different practices. So like, like day one, day eight and day 15 are three different practices all in one category and so forth. And so that, that way at the end of it, people can say, Oh, you know, I really enjoyed practices one through five and then eight and then 10 and then blah, blah, blah. I'm going to try to integrate those into my life. Mm. Um, and the ones that you would want to integrate may be very different than the ones that I want to integrate. Also, the tool that I use today may not work for me tomorrow. So what other tools do I have? So that was really important to me when I was putting this together.
0: Hmm. So can you give me some examples of like some of the tools that you include?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the categories are breath, mind, body, perspective, values, creativity and visualization. So there's those seven categories. And then some of the things in there, uh, so say like for breath, I give three different breath exercises for people to work with, um, for the body. Some of them does like go back to like my yoga training and, in specific, uh, yoga poses or stretches that help release and toxins and stuff. Um, with the values, one really working with the character strengths in positive psychology and getting clear on what are our values and and how are we aligning with them or not? Um, so things, things of that nature with the creativity one, there's, there's some free drawing, there's some dancing, you know, everything like that. So some of the practices may be very outside of people's comfort zones, though in order for us to grow as individuals, we have to step outside our comfort zone, um, which again may put a little stress on it, but all of these are very low stakes out of your comfort zone practices that could then turn into like bigger practices if you get interested in them and want to work down, uh, work into them more, which is why the one-to-one coaching is part of it too, so that um, I'm an account accountability partner for them, as well as how do you want to go deeper into these practices coupled with like regular coaching of how do you, what goals do you have and how can we work
0: on those together? Hmm. All about those baby steps. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So, okay. I want to, let's like roll it back a little bit (laughs) because we really dove straight into this stress management stuff since that's very sort of um, top of mind at the moment for you. Tell me a little bit more about your path. Like what are sort of, I mean, you have like all these different qualifications. How did you end up where you are today? Like you started off really more sort of dance focused, I think, but you also studied interdisciplinary studies. So yeah, tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get here?
1: Awesome. So, I mean, I started dancing literally when I could walk. So dance has always been... I say my means of communication, um, and with that, like different styles of dance. So growing up doing like studio styles of like jazz and tap and ballet and all of that, but also studying a lot of creative movement, um, which really has, is like a lot of the foundation of the work, um, that I do now in working with both performers and then a lot of non-performers in using a somatic approach to understanding the self And also how does that work with engaging in teams? Um, so dance has always been kind of like dance in my body and the curiosity I have of what my body can do and where does it lead me has kind of been my like compass or like my shining light that brought me to like different disciplines. So I did a lot of musical theater and got into, and into directing and choreographing, um, It brought me back to grad school to get my MFA. When I was in grad school at Smith, I got really interested in psychology and how the mind and the body work together and really started looking at sports psychology and how can we mentally train for, um, peak performance and did a lot of research around fear and our relationship with that. And then that kind of led me into working with like teams, both, um, like as a director choreographer, but also teams in like corporate um of how to be an effective leader and how to hold space and how to um facilitate group development and high productivity within teams and i found huge correlations with me directing and choreographing a musical and the the way a team would work at you know an organization on whatever pro- project they're they're working on um which then you know some of the stuff that i got into was because i needed to find things to help me out so like I was led to yoga and meditation and Reiki and all that sort of stuff. And through those curiosities, um, started finding intersections between all of them and realizing even more, even though I knew that we're holistic beings, like, oh, how holistic we are and how a lot of the work that's being done in the world right now is through one focus. And we can't just look at people as one dimensional beings. And so that became a really important thing to me, which led to the degree that I'm in right now is that I just wanted to go deeper into the intersection of spirit, mind, and body, um, go deeper into the science behind it, the psychology behind it. And then how does that work within organizations in a way to help facilitate change, um, specifically in company culture and leadership and, and group dynamics, um, in that way.
0: Mm. Talk to me a little bit more about the, uh, the overlap between your approach to directing a show or or a dance performance and the work that you do with teams.
1: Great. Yeah. So, um, it's important in a show, no matter what part you are, is that we're an ensemble. Like if, Everybody has to be doing their job and they have to be doing it a hundred percent in order for the show to be great. And not just the performers. We're talking about, you know, the lighting designer and the run crew and the customers and the dressers. Everything has, everyone has to feel a part of the group and everyone has to know what their job is. And that is vital. Um, if like, you know, even if someone knows what their job is, if they're not invested in it and they don't feel appreciated for their job, if they don't feel engaged in their job, then they're not going to do it a hundred percent. And then you're not going to get to the level that you ultimately want to. And so that's the same thing with like a team in, you know, a business or or a corporation. You have these team, this team of people who all have individual tasks or jobs or duties. And A, if they're not defined clearly, then there's always going to be breakdown in communication. Um, there's going to be things that get left by the wayside. The accountability is not going to be there. And when those things start to happen, then we get some resentment and conflict between groups and between the parties within the group. And then if role clarity is there, if people are not buying into what they're doing and don't have a strong leader with a vision, Who, and, and I think it's interesting because there's leadership and there's management and sometimes we have to be both, right? And so how can we be a strong leader that has this vision and that can really get people to buy into the vision and feel a part of the vision? And then also how can we be a manager that holds people accountable in a way that keeps them engaged in the vision and in their own personal work? I mean, we all have to do things we don't want to be doing, like the like mundane tasks. But when you have like an overarching goal that everyone's working towards and you know that you're being appreciated for it, you're gonna do it because you know that there's a means to an end in that way. Um, so I see a lot of crossover that way. And one of the things we do in theater all the time, right at the beginning of anything is, is get to know each other as a cast, you know, as people and also as our characters. And we do a lot of character work like away from, the actual like material that we're going to be presenting on stage in a dance performance. We're going to do a lot of improvisation. We're going to do a lot of, um, group like, uh, movement exercises so that we just under, we get comfortable with each other. And I think that's a step that a lot of organizations miss are missing. And they think they can move over it because they're like, well, you have this job, you have this job, you have this job. But, you know, if your team doesn't feel safe, um, like the buzzword right now is psychological safety. Um, and with psychological safety, the number one thing is trust. And you can't just assume that trust is going to be there if you just put five professionals together. There has to be some element of getting to know each other and building rapport. And that is an element that I think is really missing in the workplace nowadays.
0: So what does that actually look for you, look like for you in terms of the work that you're doing with, um, like in more corporate settings?
1: Yeah. So there's this one, um, great exercise I love. Um, and I've seen it done in different ways and I've done it in different ways. And depending on what group I'm working with, uh, it, it has a different intention and, and focus, but the purpose of it is you know, we put all these cards on the floor and some of them are images. Some of them are quotes, you know, things like that. And each person is to go around. And so the the basic one is usually, you know, how would you define your role in this company or on this team right now and find an image or a phrase or quote that represents that. And then find a second image or quote that represents where you want to see yourself going within the context of, um, the company. Now, sometimes even when giving that prompt, people are led to saying where they want to see themselves in other places. And that I think is actually pretty awesome because that's pretty telling. Um, so it's a, to pick those cards and understand them for yourselves. And then you walk around and you pair up with somebody and you have to share what these cards mean. Um, to you and in the, in the construct of where you are now and where you want to see yourself going. And then after like two minutes of sharing, you, um, the other person talks. And so with that, we're also practicing mindful listening because it's not necessarily like, Oh, let me share this. Oh, let me ask a question. It's really just person a shares the whole thing while person B is listening and actively listening. Isn't thinking of what they want to ask or what they want to say in re- relation to it, but really just holding the space for that person. And then they switch partners and then they do that with like two or three different partners. So by the end of it, they've listened to like two or three other people share how they feel about themselves and where they want to be. Um, and they've also had to articulate that. Uh, and then we sit down and we have a group share out like, how did that feel? What came up? And it's also really interesting to see how many people like have different ideas of what the image is mean to them. And so we start realizing like one image can mean multiple different things to different people. You start realizing a sometimes what people actually do with their job, because maybe you didn't know what their role was. Um, and you start realizing that they're humans and not just this person you show up to work with every day.
0: I love that. It's like, so it's, it's really like taking that sort of character development piece into uh real life and, and almost like Acknowledging. You know, I, I I think what it is is it's it's acknowledging the human element of working for a business, working in a team.
1: Yes, yes. And and um I mean the other thing that's so interesting that things are starting to shift now in like the, the research of of business development and, um, productivity and all that sort of stuff is that now leaders, they're, they're leaders need to get coaching on the soft skills. And Mm if you could see me, I'd be doing the air quotes. Um, (laughs) and these soft skills are like empathy, compassion, um, you know, like, uh, thinking at a higher level or, you know, all like listening, all of these things that are inherent to being a good artist, Yeah, (laughs) like all the things that like you need to have when you're doing a show or singing in a chorus or playing an instrument, like the, the listening skills, the, um, the supporting someone else, the having, being, having an empathetic, um, aspect of, of being empathetic, that's the right way of saying it, being empathetic, you know, and, and those things are ingrained in any artist. Uh, and that's something that I feel, you know, we all are artists, even if we didn't pursue our, uh, creative interests professionally, yet it's not something that everyone is afforded to do on multiple different levels. I think as adults, especially adults in the business world, they're like, Oh no, I can't draw a line or paint or dance or sing. And it's like, yeah, you can. And it's like, well, how would I do that? And it's like, you know, there are so many different ways, um, but it's not necessarily accepted. And the, that type of education and training is not usually brought into the business world or the workplace, um, as much as I feel like it should be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I, I think that that practice also of, the part where they sort of where you sort of recognize that we can all look at the same image and all take away different things from it is also sort of developing that creative um it's like developing the artist's eye a little bit and also really i think i think it's such i mean i i feel like i've done Uh, The exercise that you talked about, as well as other versions using different materials, Um, like I was just talking to somebody about, you know, using Legos for um, those sorts of things. Uh, And I I think it's such a brilliant thing because we live in a diverse world and the world is just getting like we're we're moving in a direction where every single day we are have to have more and more interactions with people who are coming from very different perspectives, very different backgrounds from us. And I think that those sorts of exercises are so necessary for developing that, our ability to thrive yeah, in that environment. I,
1: I so agree with that. And, um, I, and also the, the, that exercise and the idea of the artist. eye. I love that you use that phrase Um Because being like arts education is not necessarily about, you know, being a prima ballerina or being an opera singer or anything like that. But really, how do we see the world around us in a different way? Right. And these different like lens and lenses that we can use. And so it's always I mean, I could get into a whole conversation of what like arts education is and isn't and how there's even misperceptions on that. And I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, just that exercise of, oh, we're seeing this picture, this image in so many different ways. And we all have so many diverse backgrounds and places we come from. And yet in a, in a, uh, work setting, say you're brainstorming, uh, ideas for, you know, a new pitch, or you're trying to brainstorm ways to get over this obstacle. You know, we all come into it with like, oh, this is the way to do it this way, my way, blah, 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 blah. And what that what that exercise of looking at the image and seeing so many different ways of looking at it brings up is oh, there are more ways than just the right. way I see it, <laughs> and, and maybe and and their way is just as valid as my way. And then all of a sudden I go oh my gosh, I I you know I can see it that way. I mean I was just doing this with a team. Um, like two weeks ago, and literally one person was holding the image one way, like horizontally, and the other one thought it went the other way vertically. And I was looking at it and I was like, yeah, it could go both ways. And they both had really interesting reasons why they thought one way or the other way. And so if we think about taking an exercise like that, And then it's like, you know, sometimes people are like, okay, well, that's all fun and good, but how does that apply to like actual practical work things? And it's like, well, if you can take an exercise like that and really embody it and really understand that we all have different ways to see things and that all of those answers are actually right, then maybe we can remember that when we go into the team room and we're trying to brainstorm. And instead of like, just being like my way or the highway, we could step back and be like, Oh, you know what? Yeah, when Joe said that, I can now see that. Or when Mary said that, that kind of makes sense. Like, and brainstorming can actually be um, productive, which a lot of times brainstorming is. <laughs> yeah. <not.
0: laughs> oh my god, there are like so many levels, and like there are so many levels and so many circumstances in life in which these kinds of things are so important and so necessary. Like, I'm just. I'm thinking about the world that we live in right now in so many ways is so much more polarized than ever before. And I like, I I wish that every member of our government could do this activity, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or Mm -hmm. like, I also do a lot of work around social justice and like anti-racism. And I think that's a lot of the same kinds of skills that we try to cultivate in those sorts of conversations as well. Um, just like that sort of opening up to recognize that just because somebody sees something differently from you doesn't mean that their perspective is wrong.
1: Right. And then on top of like the other element of that, um, exercise that I was, that I was, uh, describing is the listening part. Right. And so it is so hard to actively listen and to mindfully listen. And we throw those words around so much. And like, I mean, it's something I have to practice all the time too. And I mean, by definition, what we mean by that is that we are really listening to the person and not thinking about what we want to say or what question we have or the point that we need to make, you know, on what they're saying or one upping them with what they're saying or any of that sort of stuff. And, and it's, it's really hard. I mean, like research definitely shows that we drop off listening after usually like it was something like eight seconds or something. We typically like drop off. And if we can get teams and people and just everyone to learn how to really actually mindfully engage in listening to each other that would change a lot as well and mm-hmm. that is some that's a practice like you got to practice that
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah the yes we need more of all of that <laughs> um I okay so I feel like we could talk about this stuff all day um but I'm actually really curious uh beyond sort of the work that you're doing with others how do these what how do you take these lessons into your own life like what are the things that you actually do that really support your own creativity your own sort of holistic well-being what does that look like for you
1: Thank you for that question. That is so true. Cause so many times as like coaches and consultants, we like talk all this stuff and then we don't always do it. Um, yes. and I've had, <laughs> and I've had multiple moments in my life where, um, I have been humbled and been like, Oh, I need to walk the walk and talk the talk. <laughs> um, and one of those was, uh, when I decided to run the New York city marathon a couple of years ago, I did not consider myself a runner. Um, I got this idea in my head that I needed to do this. I was inspired by all the runners I saw. And the next day, this was a few years ago. So I was watching the New York city marathon. And the next day I was like, I'm going to start running. And I did and ended up running the marathon that next year. And throughout that whole process, there were so many things that came up, um, a lot about self-care and self-care in ways I didn't even realize. So, you know, being a dancer my whole life, I just was like, I know my body. I know what I can do, like do, I know my limits. And then when you start running, which was so different for me, I mean, I was not taking care of my body in the way that I needed to. So, you know, learning how to rest, which is something that I'm not great at. So, uh, you know, really being able to learn how to rest and not do, uh, in multiple ways, like physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, I needed to get back to, I needed to choose, I needed to define a new stretching practice for myself because what I had used to be used, used to doing wasn't working as a runner. Um, my mental state had to change completely. Like, uh, and I found myself doing the exact things that I try to call my clients out on. And I was like, oh boy, I need to listen to myself here. And just the way in which I was speaking to myself. Um And then really the guide that I was talking about, like I was working with a coach personally, and I was telling her how I felt like overwhelmed by not doing this and not doing that. And she was like, well, why do you have to do the same thing every day? And I was like, oh, you're right. And that's like an aha came over me when I was like, "Oh, if I can just take even if it's 10 minutes for myself every day and it may be something different. Like literally it may be napping. Literally it may be taking 25 minutes and watching like a a comedy a sitcom so I can laugh." Or one of my favorite practices is solo dance party in my my uh, apartment. Yes. You know, anything <laughs> like that is what I do. And like, there are times where I go through phases where I'm, you know, coloring in a coloring book, or I'm journaling, or I actually am sitting in a meditation practice um, on a daily basis. But then sometimes that doesn't work for me. And so it's also learning how to be like, it's okay that that's not working for me right now. Um, and sometimes it's, talking to a friend, you know, or something like that. Sometimes it's going to run now. So I do a lot of, I do like all of those um, sorts of things. And, um, being an artist, I like to try to take like a workshop of some sort, you know, once a month or whenever I can to kind of put myself into like a uncomfortable place so that I can not test myself, but challenge myself to grow in other ways, Um, so I just did like a great movement and film workshop at NYU this past weekend. Um, it was part of their fusion film festival, which is all about supporting women filmmakers. Uh, and that was really wonderful because a, I got to, um, connect with people that I had never met before. I got to go back to some practices that I teach, but I got to be the student, which I think is also really important is, is having that student mindset and mentality throughout your life, uh, is really helpful.
0: Yeah. And I I, I love, thank you for sharing that, because I I love how there isn't one particular practice or even like a a collection of practices that are sort of set for you, that it sounds like it really does depend on what's going on in your life, you know, what your day looks like in terms of, you know, that, that you have sort of a collection of practices that you know can help you depending on what your your need is, right? Right. I I think we can, like, I mean, I know I do this myself, where like, I think sometimes I feel like, oh, I have to have like a routine that I'm doing every single day, or I'm doing, you know, X thing, three times a week, or like, whatever it is. And sometimes, like, life just isn't like that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yes. No, it's so true. And then that can actually provide more stress for ourselves. Right. I mean, that's kind of how – I mean, I'm a pretty organized person, though I do have a lot of flexibility within my schedule at times. Yet, like, if I'm having to schedule, like, all these things, like, oh, I should go to a yoga class, and then I need to schedule meditation, and then I need to schedule this, and that became overwhelming to me. Yeah. And so when what you're what if you're using a tool to try to help you deal with stress or manage stress, and it's becoming stressful, that to me is the first sign to say, try something new.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for for coming on the podcast. If people want to learn more about your work, if they're interested in maybe investigating your stress management coaching program, where can they find you?
1: So the best thing would be to go to my website, which is www.stephanie, S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E, Simpson, S-I-M-P-S-O-N, dot com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, which is just stephanie.e.Simpson. Um, and then my Facebook coaching, uh, profile is Stephanie Simpson coaching. So those are the three major ways uh and th- all of those ways you can message me, um check out the things on my on my uh website that I offer and I'm always willing to do a lovely 30-minute discovery call for free so that we can get to know each other and people can ask questions and then we can go from there. Awesome.
0: Uh do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up for today?
1: Yeah. I would just say like for everyone is, uh, creativity in general, I think is, is the basis of who we are as human beings. And it's come up a lot in the last couple of weeks of just kind of getting back into that inner child place. Mm. And you know, when, when you doubt that you're a creative being, remember that for the whole beginning part of your life, all you were doing was playing and exploring and being curious (laughs) and not talking. So, um, you know, get it, you can do it and getting back to that place in there's multiple ways to get back to that place. And that's different for everybody as well. But when we access that creative side, then we are able to understand people in a different way. We're able to connect with them in a different way. We think differently because we are literally opening different pathways in our brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just makes for a more, purposeful and engaged life. And it can help in the workplace, out of the workplace. Uh, and so the more that we can do that, uh, the better we all will be.
0: I love that, especially uh, about sort of remembering to connect to your inner child. I, I, You just reminded me, I can't remember who this was, but I remember hearing somebody say at one point, if you ever doubt that you are a creative being, just remember that Every single one of us was singing before we could talk. We were drawing before we could write. Those are inherent parts <laughs> of, like, if you, it, when was the last time that you looked, that you saw a three-year-old who walked up to a table full of crayons and didn't know what to do with them, you know? Right. And <laughs> um, as a dancer,
1: and as a dancer, my the right. thing I hear all the time is, I can't dance, and I'm like... What are you talking about? Like, everybody danced when they were babies. Like, one of the first things you do, like, I, I was, um, I was with some friends, uh, yesterday, and they have two kids, and one of them is, I think she's like nine or ten months, and I was reading this little book that they had next to the, all the toys, and one of the things was, hold your baby up, put some music on and let them bounce. You know, Mm-mm. it may not be on beat, but let them bounce. They're going to want to bounce. <laughs> so the yeah. fact that that is, that is their instinct is for babies is to bounce, is to crawl, is to move, is to move their hands and use their face and giggle and laugh. Like that is what we all want to do. And that is dance. Like to me, I define dance as communicating emotions, anything through movement, like that, we all do that. And so this idea that people are not dancers because they they can't turn or whatever they think it is, is, is sometimes baffling to me. But I, I love that, that saying of, you know, we all sang before we could speak, we all like drew before we could write, and we all move all the time.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect place to end this interview. Just remembering that we are all everyday creative people every single day. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Everyday Creative People. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please don't forget to subscribe to future episodes and rate the podcast. Leave a comment and make sure you tell your friends to come listen. And remember, we'll be back with another episode next Monday.